Luke 2, 1-7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken on the entire Roman world. It goes on to say, And everyone went up to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloth, and she placed him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Welcome to Debbie DeVries Ministries. Now Luke here briefly describes the political situation to explain how it came to be that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was born in a cattle shed, not a palace. He slept in a manger, a feeding trough for animals, not a nice crib. Not only that, Bethlehem was small, seemingly insignificant, and unimportant. It was despised by many and overlooked by others. But you see, not by God. Bethlehem was, significant, was a significant part of Israel's history. King David was actually born there. And many centuries later, after King David, we are told that the Lord spoke to the prophet Micah. Um, in particular, we see that in Micah 5 verse 2. And he announced that a new ruler would come from Bethlehem. And he was speaking about Jesus. So God chose the small, unimpressive, seemingly unimportant town of Bethlehem to be once again the birth, birthplace of a king, the king of kings. And this time, the king would be the son of God and the savior of the world. Now God could have picked any city of that day um, as a birthplace for his son. He could have chosen Jerusalem because Jerusalem was actually the place where the, the religious power resided. But no, he chose Bethlehem. Now it's interesting to note the Savior, who is the hope of this world, wasn't born in the heart, uh, heart or the focal point of religious power because you see our hope does not lie in religion or in a religious, religious system. Religion cannot earn one's way to God. One cannot be good enough, disciplined enough, giving enough, or, or even devoutly religious enough. There is no way, no way at all that you, I, or anyone else would ever be able to behave our way to heaven. It's just not possible. Now he could have chosen Rome, but he didn't. Rome arguably was the most important city of that day. It's where the emperor lived and the emperor, he had the power. He had the political power. And Jesus was not born in the midst of this. Because you see, our hope is not found, found in politics, nor is it found in political power. Now, God could have also chosen Athens, but he didn't pick there either. Now, Athens is where, where um, one would go to pursue intellectual greatness and wisdom. The greatest philosophers of the ancient world spent time in Athens. It was the desired place to be intellectually. But you see, there is no amount of knowledge that can give us, nor is our, hope. God instead chose Bethlehem, a lowly, despised, unimportant, overlooked place. 
He chose the humblest of circumstances to display what? The greatness, his greatness, the greatness of his son, a baby in a manger. While he was weak as any other baby, humanly speaking, he was also the center of power as far as heaven was concerned. And God the Son humbled himself. He humbled himself. And this, my friends, is love. He didn't make himself untouchable, inaccessible, or unreachable. He was born amongst us, for us, for us, the regular people of everyday life. He walked with us, the regular people of everyday life. He talked with us. He ate with us, but he died for us, for us. Our king humbled himself for you and for me. Humble. Yes. Powerless? No. Even though there's a baby in a manger, God was in complete control. God was on the move that night in Bethlehem. Our King, our Savior, stepped into time and space, and it is that night, that very night, that our redemption began. By citing Caesar's decree, Luke helps the reader see that human decrees, however powerful they may be, fall under and within the divine decree, which ordered the birth of Jesus. Caesar Augustus was ruling, but God was in charge. God used the edict to move Mary and Joseph 80 miles north from Nazareth to Bethlehem to fulfill his word. Now, interesting to note that when Mary said in Luke uh, 1 verse 38, be, according, be it according to your word, it meant that from now on her life would be part of the fulfillment of divine prophecy. So off to Bethlehem she goes. Side note. Have you ever said yes to God? Have you ever prayed in your words, be it Father according to your word and your will? And if you have, of course we're not Mary. Thank goodness we're not Mary. But nonetheless, it's no different for you and I. It means that our lives will be part of the fulfillment of God's work, part of the work that he is doing. So where's your Bethlehem, so to speak? Where is it? And are you willing to go? It's a great question to think about. Now Jesus was promised. God promised that the Savior would be a human. He promised that he would be a Jew and that he would be from the tribe of Judah. He would be from the family of David, born of a virgin in Bethlehem, the city of David. And all was happening exactly as God had said it would. And the, and the Gentile emperor was merely a puppet to further the divine program. And the divine program is salvation. Joseph and Mary were brought to Bethlehem at exactly the right time in order that the Messiah might be born there to fulfill the prophecy found in Micah 5 verse 2. Now if God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and he is, it means that he is still on the move today. And I'm going to suggest that it would be very wise for us, for you and me, to stop. To stop and look in the humble circumstances of our lives. And look for the same God who was on the move and in control and at work some 2,000 plus years ago. God is faithful. He is not silent. And he is still on mission. He is still on the move. Look for him. Look for him. Now the King of Kings stepped off his throne, he took off his robe, 
and he left his palace to be born in this world. He began in a manger. He ended on the cross, and along the way, he had no place to lay his head. The creator of all things, our king, our savior, humbled himself. He humbled himself, and he did it for you and me. He did it for you and me. It's the Christmas season. And uh, just like on the day when Jesus was born, there is so much hustle and bustle. Remember, there was no room in the inn. And there is so much noise. Would you consider stopping for even just a moment and humbly bowing before our King with me, with gratitude, thankfulness, and with reverence in your heart and in your mind. He made himself available. He made himself approachable and he made it possible for you and I to have eternal life with him. And he did it humbly, humbly right down to where he was born. And let me remind you and me once again, he did it for you and me. Oh, what a savior, what a savior. How can we not bow? Amen.